Welcome to the Trailbreaker Podcast. I'm Aaron Feinberg. In this podcast, I explore what it takes to be a trailbreaker through intimate conversations with people carving new paths across the landscape of business, art, and sport, we dig in on how to excel across seemingly disparate endeavors. What drives people who manage to succeed multidimensionally? Is it how they think? Is it meticulous planning and follow through? Or is it some measure of delusional optimism? My guest today is Thomas Scaria, co-founder of Prism, a group ownership platform using crypto technology, allowing the 99% to pool their capital in order to buy blue chip assets anywhere in the world. We talked about what inspired Thomas to originally jump into the crypto space, how Prism is leveling the financial playing field, and what DAOs and NFTs are. Good afternoon, Thomas, and thank you so much for joining me on the show today. Hey, Aaron, it's a pleasure to be here. Thank you for having me. You and your company, Prism, are doing some really interesting things in the crypto space. And so I'm excited to hear a little bit about it. So maybe start us off with just high level what Prism is up to. Prism is the group ownership platform. We make it really easy for groups of friends to come together and pull their resources and capital to own blue chip assets. And we're enabling this really through NFTs and DAOs, uh, which are technologies enabled by crypto that I'm really excited to get into later in this podcast. What's the definition of a blue chip asset? Yeah, that's a really good question. So um, how I would define it is uh, by thinking about the assets that the 1% almost have exclusive access to. So I was an investment advisor at City, uh, where I advised really the richest of the rich uh, get richer. And when we were doing this, um, we oftentimes recommend that, recommended them an asset allocation that looks very, very different from the 60-40 uh, portfolio that the rest of us are recommended. They had this little sleeve in there called alternative investments, which uh, may look like venture capital deals, um, private equity deals, art, collectibles, rare Ferraris that fundamentally the 99% don't have a clue about. And they just don't have access to for a variety of reasons, which could be antiquated accredited, accredited investor laws and just the initial capital base to acquire some of these assets. So then with Prism, assuming I had a bunch of people that all wanted to pool money for something, what might be something we would purchase? Yeah, so let's walk through an IRL example that you could do today without Prism. And so you can kind of understand um, um, what before and after looks like with Prism. So imagine that you are an ex-hotel uh, operator. Your friend is a muralist. Another friend has a little bit of extra capital. And together, you come, you guys come together to pull together your resources and capital to buy this rundown hotel in your neighborhood. You did this by forming an LLC, perhaps, um, getting that LLC a business bank account. That whole process may have taken you weeks, if not, if not months. Uh, and then you finally pull together the capital, purchase this hotel, you turn it around, and everyone makes a lot of money. And hopefully the the larger community gets to experience a, a newfound kind of uh, gem in, the, in their neighborhood. 
So what Prism allows you to do is uh, arm this group of friends with these tools to really easily create this business bank account and LLC structure and coordinate capital in a few minutes rather than in weeks and months. Um, because this fundamental technology is so scalable, it can really expand to more sci-fi use cases. Uh, imagine if your local basketball team, if instead of if they were owned by billionaires, they were owned by the community. So that kind of scale um, and capital coordination is enabled by DAOs, um, which you just fundamentally can't get to with LLCs and business bank accounts. So for those of us in the world that aren't as familiar with what a DAO is or an NFT, can you explain what that what those terms mean? Yeah, so DAOs and NFTs are two um, technologies that are enabled by Ethereum. Uh, and I'm happy to give a little primer on Ethereum if that helps too. That would be great. Um, okay, so should we start there? Sure. Okay, so Ethereum is really a programmable computer that instead of uh, the back end, the computing power and, and really like the, uh, uh, the code, that enables applications to run on servers like that are hosted by AWS or Google Cloud. They're run on servers that are hosted by communities all over the world. This enables uh, a really distributed uh, computing platform. It enables a platform that is uh, much more user-centric and user-owned and allows for a complete reimagination of the internet away from centralized powers like Google, Amazon, Facebook, to putting the power in the hands of average people. So that's really what Ethereum is. All you need to, all you need to, the only thing you need to understand and think about it is it's just really a computing platform and you can develop new kinds of applications on it that are much more user-owned and user-centric. One of these applications or infrastructure level uh, protocols as they call it are uh, DAOs, Another one is NFTs. What, what, let's start with NFTs. What NFTs are, it's just really a digital file format um, that makes it really, really clear who owns what, has native property rights is, is kind of like the industry speak for it. You can upload many things to an NFT. Right now, it's a bit of a toy. People actually just upload um, uh, you know, art, different collectibles, uh, people are launching profile pick projects that you may have heard of, like CryptoPunks and, and Bored Apes. So it's a bit skeuomorphic in its current form, but fundamentally just a file format, much like JPEGs and MP3s, but very clear who owns what. What DAOs are is, uh, what it stands for is actually decentralized autonomous organization, but in its current state, it's neither decentralized or autonomous. Uh, so it's really just an internet organization is all you need to uh, is how you need to frame it in your head. It's just a new kind of LLC that instead of filing paperwork with your local or state government, you're filing paper, paperwork directly with Ethereum. And anyone can start a company with a few clicks of a button. This company uh, that you start comes with its own bank account. And it, it's really, really easy for this DAO to coordinate capital uh, all across the world. So strangers anywhere in the world, that just have an internet connection can pull together their funds, uh, vote on what they want to do with those funds and coordinate in a matter of seconds, uh, not a matter of months 
like LLCs and business bank accounts. Thank you for that. That's super, super clear. And, and, you know, it sounds like the work that Prism's up to and as well as other companies in this space is having a pretty big impact and sort of leveling the playing field as it pertains to power and, and how it's used on the internet and, and people's information and privacy and data, as well as, as sort of more effectively democratizing capital and who has access to it. Is that right? That's, you, you couldn't have, I couldn't have said it better than that. Um, I would say the nuance right now is while that technology will enable a fair redistribution of power capital and hence financial freedom, right now there's a new wave 1% that has kind of popped up on the, in the Ethereum ecosystem that have grabbed a lot of capital and power. These are the early movers in Ethereum. A lot of folks that kind of participated in the early crowd sale that got in very early that you know, may have just been a kid with twenty dollars that threw in, um, uh, threw in an investment, and and you know now that twenty dollars could be worth two hundred million dollars. And it's also the VCs that are funding this movement that definitely have an inordinate amount of power in this ecosystem. So fundamentally, technology much more fair and distributed. Right now, the distribution isn't quite there yet, uh, but I think we'll get there in in the next couple of decades. Great. And I want to talk a little bit about your hunches on how that, how that could happen. But first I want to know a little bit more about why do you, why do you care about all this? Why does this matter to you in terms of sort of shifting the tide to something more fair and, and equitable? It's definitely through a couple personal experiences I have, I I've had, um, I am an immigrant from India. Uh, that was brought here by uh, my my dad, my mom, and my sister also came along with us. But my dad came here really to pursue uh, the original internet. He was actually kind of a rocket scientist. He worked for the Indian Space Research Organization and had this insight that the internet was going to be very, very massive and took this kind of leap of faith by committing his whole career to suddenly go from an electrical engineer to learn programming and dedicate his nights and weekends to picking up his technology. So he moved out here in 1997 and he brought us here in 1999. And, um, you know, it's kind of like a rising, rising tide lifts all boats kind of scenario where he's a smart guy, but he was just uh, at the right place at the right time and rode this wave of the initial internet. Um, while, while we were growing up, it became very, very clear to me that if you want to instill change in the world, um, it, it starts with accumulating some sort of wealth and capital. And growing up in Silicon Valley, it was very clear that uh, you know, the stories of the, of the Zuckerbergs and, and the Google founders, it was all left and right. So entrepreneurship was one model and really just like making your capital work for you could be another model, but it didn't, it, that didn't click to me until I ended up at City several uh, years later and understood the level at which the 1% are able to multiply their wealth. A lot of the 1% did, they, they either, um, accumulated that initial capital base through entrepreneurship uh, or they had a, they had inherited a sum of wealth but uh, the amount of compounding returns that you can get from that initial capital base to um, go from you know tens of millions of dollars 100 million dollars is is just is just wild 
Um, and I was able to juxtapose this with my background as a as an immigrant from India and returning to India and seeing really what like the real 99% get in, in terms of financial services. Um, so this was all just very unfair to me. And uh, through all these experiences, I was always philosophically seeking some sort of solution, not, not only for uh, myself, but hopefully for the whole world. And when I discovered crypto in, in 2016, it, it very much clicked for me that this could be the beginning of, of, that, of that paradigm shift. And I kind of went all in since. Amazing. And um, thank you. Uh, thank you for, for caring and for, you know, calling it how it is, right? So obviously this, uh, this shift started off with its pure uh, intentions and form. And as things happen, right, you wind up with a new, a new elite. And, and so in terms of how you feel like Prism and maybe the rest of the industry can sort of move back to that more ideal state that that you were describing for for you know many of the folks in the world who who are not um you know not in the same sort of one percent of the one percent so how do we get from where we're at to this vision of the world yeah what has to shift or what has to evolve um and 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 what's prism's role in it do you think yeah so I think to get there, there's two fundamental problems that need to be solved. Um, just to walk through like a real world example of how you could accumulate it like a like a blue chip asset. Um, maybe you want to in invest in Andreessen Horowitz's new fund, right? They have a history, a track record of making a substantial amount of returns for the 1%, but they only accept check sizes of a minimum of $250,000 um, and it's limited to uh, accredited investors, right? So, so because of those hurdles in place, there's really just a profile, a, a limited pool of people that can access that. I think over the next decade, um, the regulatory environment will shift quite a bit and have kind of a reimagination of these accredited investor standards because they're really just meant to protect um, um, investors from scams and things like that. Um, so there could be alternative ways of, of getting that accredited investor status. And there's some progress that's been made al already. You can actually um, just go and teach yourself the Series 66 curriculum, take this examination to become kind of a professional investment advisor on paper and, and get there. So that progress needs to be made with the regulatory environment. And I think in enabling technology to do that will be really, really massive. And I can, I can dive a little bit deeper into that. Then there's the initial check size problem, right? You need this initial capital base to purchase some of these assets. It could be this hotel you want to buy uh, with your friends or your community or, or this accredited investor deal you want to participate in. This is kind of where Prism comes into play. Um, we allow for really easy pulling of capital um, so that you can kind of neutralize this initial and upfront investment uh, by pulling capital with friends. Uh, and maybe your friends aren't rich enough to even get you there. So maybe you pull capital with strangers or even your community to, to do that. And DAOs at large um, and tokens even, I can get into the details here, are kind of this conduit of trust so that you can pull to, uh, money comfortably with strangers on the internet. Yeah, I'd love to hear a little bit uh, more about 
yeah, you take a, a group of people who don't know each other and are all throwing money into this pot. So how does it, how does it turn out well for everybody? It really, really comes down to um, the tr what they call the trustless nature of Ethereum. Um, since all of these different uh, community-run AWS nodes, if you will, right, are in sync with each other, and that's just kind of fundamentally how the technology works, and they come to what they call consensus uh, when different events happen in the Ethereum ecosystem, um, you're able to it enables this format where uh, you don't actually don't need to trust someone to interact with them. You're actually just trusting the technology itself and it's been completely foolproof so far. There's been no um, transaction or scam in, in the Bitcoin universe that was done at the Bitcoin node level, right? Yes, there's, there's scams that are done by people, uh, but the, the computing works and you can very easily trust a stranger due to this technology. Um, because of that, it enables this universe where you actually can trust another, uh, another stranger. And, um, then it comes down to kind of the human element and, and what kind of strangers you want to have this activity and coordinate this activity with. And this is actually, uh, gets into one other kind of feature of, of this system is that it's very open and transparent. So Aaron, if you have a history of contributing to these projects and picking the best ones and maybe even like participating in some of these projects where you bought a basketball team with, with your community and, and you've actually instilled change there and this you're, you deserve to be a part of this community, you're not just a passive capital contributor, your record of doing that is all just on chain, uh, which means you can easily carry this data and build this kind of identity and reputation around what you've already done, right? So strangers can come together to accomplish this new mission. And maybe like the leader behind this mission can set different hurdles. Like we're not going to accept completely new profiles. We want people that have done this kind of in the past, right? So, so tokens, uh, the, tr the trustless kind of nature of the technology and uh, these kind of abstractions on the technology like identity and on-chain reputation will get us to this place ultimately where you can have interactions with strangers. That is so helpful. And again, I I'm learning a lot in this conversation as I think some of the listeners will be too. And and so how, if, if I am, well, I am me, right? So if I decide tomorrow, I want to be a part of what Prism is up to, how do I, how do I get into the mix with you guys? Yeah. So right now, um, what Prism allows you to do is form this simple DAO structure and collect NFTs uh, as a team, right? So you need to show up with a team. So first of all, you need to kind of have a group of friends. And oftentimes this user persona that we go after is this iMessage chat uh, where you and your friends might be talking fantasy football, but you're also talking stock, uh, stocks in the, in the same group chat. That intimate group of friends uh, that runs on social contracts, not paper contracts, you're, you're the perfect user to try Prism. So you show up with your squad um, and then you need to decide which NFTs you want to collect. Right now, NFTs are in this geomorphic kind of place where mostly it's 
it's art and, and collectibles that are used to, uh, that, that, that are utilizing this technology. So you, you want to probably have a sense of which one you want to purchase. Let me, uh, let me then, jump in there real quick. What was that okay. word you used? Did you say cumorphic? Skeumorphic. What does that mean? Yeah, it's this notion that um, what it actually means is um, when you're when you may be using a, a new technology, you might be uh, bootstrapping the old old technologies into this new technology. So one example could be um, the early iterations of um, like your Windows Media Player, for instance, they had knobs that actually, uh, or volume knobs that actually looked like the volume knobs that you might see on your, your uh, you know, your record player or your stereo at home. That is a skeuomorphic design where uh, this is a whole different paradigm, whole different design standard, right? Uh, but you're borrowing old design paradigms from an old standard that you're used to and, and bringing it into this new technology. And I think that's kind of where NFTs are at right now. Perfect, thank you for clarifying. Yeah, I don't, I don't know the actual dictionary definition, but uh, hopefully that example clarified things. For sure, no, and, and I would thank you too, because all of these sort of real life examples or analogies, is it's actually quite helpful in understanding uh, something brand new, so thank you. So I think I think where we left off was uh, you know, a group of uh, a squad of friends that that you know we interact on a uh, on a sort of social contract, etc. So pick it pick it up from there if you don't mind. Yep. So you've brought you and your friends to Prism. Um, we've spun up this spun up this really simple DAO uh, in the background. So now you have um, the ability to pull together capital and vote on. Uh, what you want to do with that capital, then you need to actually uh, deposit the funds into the platform. So you might be depositing that in from your Coinbase account, or perhaps you're a little bit more crypto native and you have an Ethereum wallet where you, you store your wealth and you, you truly, truly own it. Uh, you deposit those assets, your friends do the same. And then it's about which NFT you want to purchase. There's several different NFT marketplaces in, in the world right now. Uh, for instance, Tom Brady just started one, the, the ex-founder of Twitch, Justin Connie just started one, but the most popular one right now is called OpenSea. Uh, it's founded by a good friend of mine named Devin Finzer uh, and Alex, his, his partner. So they are, they literally have a monopoly basically in the NFT marketplace ecosystem. So you probably are selecting an NFT from there. And we have an interface that makes it really easy to do that. You select the NFT, you vote on as a team if you want to actually purchase that or not. And, and then boom, with the click of a button, um, that vote is converted into an actual transfer of funds to the OpenSea contract, uh, which ends up picking up the NFT you wanted to purchase off their marketplace. Fantastic. So, and forgive me if I'm making you re-explain anything. So if I've got my group of folk how do we get in touch? Is it simply we contact you over email? Do we get on the website? Like what, where does the actual rubber hit the road in terms of getting started? Yeah. Um, so we are live in a early access kind of closed state right now. And I, I'll tell you my intention behind that. Um, 
So you would get in touch with the Prism team. Uh, we are on Twitter. We're on Discord. You can also email me. Mm -hmm. I'm happy to share my contact information. Um, we would curate you and make sure you are a good fit for our early community. We are actually trying to build this community of communities in a sense, right? Or, or where uh, we want these early users to start interacting with each other and form net new groups that have maybe even bigger ambitions. Um, so you, you, you would go through an onboarding call with us, make sure you're qualified and then, and then boom, uh, we'd give you access to the platform. We actually do this in a really crypto native way by printing you an NFT, uh, which becomes your password, if you will, to unlock the platform. Great. And yes, I would love to be able to share your contact information. We'll put it, uh, we'll put it in the verbiage that goes along with the podcast. And, uh, um, in terms of the, the website address, what, what is that? So it's prism.xyz, P-R-Y-S-M.xyz. Um, that's where we live. Uh, we hang out on Twitter a lot. You can follow us at prism underscore XYZ, P-R-Y-S-M underscore XYZ. We're also, we also have a Discord community, same name, and you can always email me at thomas at prism.xyz, and that's Thomas with an H. Fantastic. Well, Thomas, I so appreciate you spending some time with me today and being so clear on all the work that Prism is up to, and then also sort of painting the picture for, for this, these other landscapes that are not as familiar to a lot of us. So all the best with the work that you guys are up to and uh, looking forward to chatting with you again soon. Absolutely. Thanks so much for having me, Aaron. And quick shout out to you as well. I definitely couldn't have uh, gotten to this stage where I'm using analogies and storytelling in a way, if it weren't for all the time we spent together um, late last year. Uh, my pleasure. And it's great to, to see what you've done with it. So all the best and uh, have a good rest of your day. Thanks so much, Aaron. Take care. Bye. The Trailbreaker podcast is created by Aaron Feinberg with production support provided by Michael Mori. More interviews and videos can be found at aaronfeinberg.com.